The holidays are almost here, and that means you're about to get a heck of a lot busier. And the data reflects what you know to be true. Prior to COVID, Yelp observed a 17% increase in diners seated from October to December over the prior quarter. And that was before everyone was trapped in their houses for over a year. Capitalize on that increased demand this holiday season with the all-new Yelp Guest Manager. Yelp Guest Manager allows you to manage your guest reservations and your waitlist all in one place. Better yet, it's fee-free until February of 2022 with an annual agreement. Visit restaurants.yelp.com forward slash podcast to learn more today. Now here we go. Don't be held by the shackles like anybody can be empowered and make the right decisions quickly look at it and trust your team because we all made mistakes as entrepreneurs the restaurant still stands so if your team can make small little mistakes as they learn to make quicker decisions then everybody wins welcome to full comp a show offering insight into the hospitality industry Featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators. Served up on the house. There's more to profitability than marketing. Let's make sure that you're not using marketing to fuel a broken machine. Go to restaurantprofitcall.com to book a call with me. We can look at your current situation to see what is and isn't working, uncover the number one bottleneck restricting your growth, and develop a three-step action plan to get you results. I'm only doing 10 of these a month, so go to restaurantprofitcall.com to book your free profitability audit with me today. You are your restaurant, and no one is ever going to know it or be able to run it better than you are. But is that a good thing? Today we chat with Michelle Hecken, an executive coach who specializes in helping you get out of your own way, eliminating you as the bottleneck to growth, and empowering your team to fulfill your dreams. Today, we begin the process of offboarding ourselves. What I mean by offboarding, look, as entrepreneurs, we're told we should work on our business and not in our business. The problem is nobody tells us how. So we go back and we've learned about this and that. And we're like, okay, I need to work on my business. And then even if we succeed at first, we end up getting pulled back in all of the time. And it is really difficult to truly offboard yourself. What I mean by offboarding is looking at the responsibilities and then offboarding or offloading those responsibilities. And what I've noticed when I talk to a bunch of entrepreneurs is that delegation is a big thing. We go and we delegate. And when we delegate, it feels really good because now I can get rid of this piece of paper and give it to somebody else and my desk is empty. So I'm going to do it again. I'm going to take this other piece of paper and give it to somebody else and my desk is even more empty. This is great. I'm going to keep doing this until all of a sudden I realize, oh, who did I give that to? When was that due? I hope they're on time. Oh, my goodness. I'm looking in my calendar, my desk is empty, my calendar and my head is full of trying to micromanage people. And that to me is one of the biggest pitfalls. Everybody's going to tell you in order to work on your business, you need to delegate more. And what I'm saying is in order to offboard yourself, you have to stop delegating completely. Which is 
of revolutionary thought process. And before we get into how you do that, something so bold, I would think, comes out of need. I would think that you weren't in a great place when you came up with this idea. I would assume that you were in a difficult place when you came up with the idea and you needed to find a solution for yourself. Can you talk to me about the path that led to this idea of offboarding? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Let me take you back. So this is 20 somewhat years ago, probably a little bit more. I wake up 8 a.m. I go downstairs into my home office and I see rolls of thermal paper facts. I don't even know if you remember what that is, let alone some of our listeners, but it's not cut. I couldn't afford the facts with the cutter. So my entire floor is full of translation because that's what I used to do in my first business from clients in Europe. And I look at this and I should be really happy because business is literally rolling in. But my heart sinks. Like My kids are two and three years old. And what that means is another day of 20 hour translation. It's another day of me not playing with the kids when they come home from school. And while I'm excited, I don't have a choice. The business needs me. It's just me. If I don't do what I need to do, we don't pay the mortgage. So I get to work. It's 2 a.m. I finally finish. My kids are in bed. I've seen them briefly. And so I have to fax all of this back. So for the audience that remembers, you have to actually manually do this. And then you have to wait for the confirmation to come back. So I go and I check my messages on my answering machine. It's 95. And... I press the first message and it's like, beep, this is your doctor's office calling. You missed your checkup today. Please be advised that we have a wait list so we may not be able to keep you as a patient. I'm like, oh my God. Beep, hi, you missed your nail appointment last week. Beep, hi, honey, I thought I was going to meet you. I haven't seen my dear friend Michelle in so many months. And my heart just sank, Josh. I was being fired from my own life. And so I went upstairs, I looked at the girls and I just broke down. Like I just started crying. It's like, if I don't change this, one day my daughters are going to fire me from their lives. And that's just something I couldn't do. And I was really stuck because I loved my business, but I didn't want to work 20 hour days. I loved my girls and being a mom, but I didn't want to be a stay at home mom. I wanted to have it all. And that's when I realized I need to do this differently. And I offboarded myself. I hadn't made up that word yet, but I offboarded myself. Like the next day, I started looking for translators. I started training them. I started looking for proofreaders. And within a year of doing that, it's not an overnight thing, I went from missing my kids to spending time with them every night. And I went from being a slave to my company to having freedom to design my life how I chose. So that really is the story of how it all began. You ask a really poignant question, which is, how does your business serve you? There are a few moments in life where like someone asks you a question or you read something like that and it just kicks you square in the gut. And for me as an entrepreneur, it totally opened my eyes to a whole new thought process because for most of my career as a restaurateur, I would argue that I served the business. The business didn't serve me. 
And so to frame kind of the whole conversation we're about to have, you have a lot of big ideas like that. And I think that as important as the process to offboard is really kind of internalizing the methodology, which starts high level with your business should work for you. You shouldn't work for your business. And another one of the disruptive things that I wanted to talk to you about was you talk about how work-life balance is bullshit. And if that's the case, (laughs) explain to me how. So when we start our business, most of us as entrepreneurs start our business for one of two reasons. We come up with a cool idea of something that doesn't exist yet, and we want to have it for ourselves, and we think there's a market for it. Sometimes there is, and most of the times there isn't, but that's one of the reasons. The other reason is that we want to be independent, and we want to be the master or mistress of our own destiny, the king or queen of our castle. And so we start on this journey. And of course, the beginning of this journey is all onboarding. It's the opposite of offboarding. We have to onboard ourselves. We have to onboard our customers. We have to onboard our team. And so we do all of this. And then eventually, we're the really, we know best how our company functions. We know everything. And then as we add people, that trust is earned, but we still know in the back of our heads how we can do it better than anybody because we're entrepreneurs. And as much as we hate to admit that, it's there. So then as our business grows, we forget why we started it in the first place. And there's symptoms that show up. Symptoms of, I need to be in this business now, even though, I don't know, I'm playing some game on my phone, but I'm physically present. Or I have to put in all this time because without me, nothing happens. And then what happens? evolves is that we start measuring our effectiveness as a leader by the amount of time we spend in our business, which is so absolutely ridiculously ironic because we scale our business so that we don't have to trade time for money. And eventually we create this monster and it just becomes all consuming and we forget to ask why we're doing this in the first place and there's always a reason why we need to do this that's why i shared that story it's those come to truth moments where it's like okay this is not working for me and yeah oh look i've been there myself i had a friend turn to me at one point and he goes man you're working 80 hours a week to avoid working 40 hours a week Is that what entrepreneurship is to you? And I was like, no, not particularly. But I mean, at that point, I'm on that hamster wheel and it's spinning so fast that I can't get myself off. And so I think the first tool that we have to acquire in order to get off that nightmarish carousel, if you will, is mindset, right? It's getting in the right headspace to be able to affect change in your own life instead of making rash decisions and setting ourselves up for failure. And I thought a really valid point that you brought up to come back to it is the fact that work-life balance is bullshit. And so talk to me about that ideology. So you talked about the hamster wheel, right? And you talked about your friend saying, why are you working 80 hours a week to avoid working 40 hours a week? Well, it can be a hamster wheel, but let's also be honest. You do that because you enjoy what you're doing. Like, we love working. 
So where I'm coming from with the saying that work-life balance is bullshit is that sometimes we are onboarding, whether we're starting up or whether we're in a growth spurt or whether we're trying to get through a pandemic and rebuild things that we've lost or pivot or reinvent. That's not an offboarding moment right? That's a, I am all in and I'm loving it moment. So when we think about work-life balance, what we think about is we need to make up for something that was bad with something good. So if I'm working 14 hours today, then the definition of that is bad or have to do something great to equal this out. And for entrepreneurs, I feel like that just doesn't work. Look, I'm writing a book. Sometimes I'll get caught up for 12 hours a day. I'll forget to eat. I'm having a great time. So I don't need to balance that out. I really don't. I just need to have the freedom and the harmony to sit back the next day and maybe do absolutely nothing. So my beef with work-life balance is we're trying to equal something out that is not bad with something else that we don't want to do. And that's the opposite of flow. Right. It is the opposite of flow because if everything that you do, and I mean, it's not pie in the sky because people do it every day, but if the only things that you concern yourself with are the things that fill your cup, then it is work, but it's joyous work and it adds value to your life instead of detracting. And so the solution in my mind prior to reading all of your material is delegation. I'll just delegate everything out and then I'll be free. But you don't believe in that. You think that delegation is the enemy. Talk to me about that. So when you delegate something, you're still responsible for it. And typically when we start delegating, we start delegating tasks, typically those that we don't want to do, which is great. And what we do, though, is we don't really look at why we're delegating something. We typically delegate a task because we don't want to do it or we say we would do it. And then six weeks later, we realize we've been procrastinating on it forever. And then we very meekly and sheepishly say, "Ah, I said I was going to do it, but I actually don't have time. Right. And so it's very reactive. You talked earlier about that being reactive versus proactive. Delegation is almost always reactive. We delegate because we're already burnt out. We're already tired. When we have capacity. We don't typically delegate stuff because we kind of like what we're doing. We delegate the stuff we don't want to do to other people who have no choice but to do it. And then we feel bad about delegating it because we feel like we've just punished that person. The truth is, though, we can be more mindful about what we are taking off of our plate, what we are offboarding. And if we start with responsibilities instead of tasks, I mean, look, as entrepreneurs, we always start with the end in mind. Where do you want to be in three years? What does your three-year plan look like? Where are we going? What's our quarter plan? So when we're looking to remove ourselves and build more freedom into our lives, we should also be starting with the end in mind. One, knowing exactly where we're going, but also what serves our business and how do we even get into that process? So instead of saying, let me get rid of the stuff I hate doing, why not look at all of the things that we're doing and then do three things with that? One, be really clear which of those things you love doing and which ones you loathe doing. Old Vern Hardner saying, 
still works like a charm. Two, take a look at how much time you spend proportionately on each of those responsibilities. And then thirdly, what do you think the value to your business is of each of those things that you do, high, medium, low? When you bring all of those things together onto one page, it stares you very clearly in the face of what the important thing is. And when I work with clients, typically what happens is that the low value things for the company are the ones that entrepreneurs love doing the most. And I know that sounds really provocative again, but we procrastinate on the things that are often the most important ones for our company. And why not give somebody else the full responsibility for that so that we don't have to do this over and over and over again? To translate it to the restaurant industry, and I think to my own life, instead of delegating doing the schedule, what I delegated was labor management, right? Because it's a lot more than just doing the schedule. It's making sure that we have 100% coverage. It's cutting as needed. It's making sure that our labor margin falls in line with not only today's sales, but also our sales forecast. It's making sure that if we have upcoming events, that all of the pieces are in play that need to be. It's a thousand things, not one, but it falls under one singular category that one person owns. And they're ultimately responsible for that. And then what I did was I set really clear parameters around what pass fail looks like. This is what success looks like. This is what failure looks like. And then obviously, these are the key things that you need to get me involved in if the shit hits the fan. Right. I love hearing that. Can I ask you a question without being too distracting here? Um, Absolutely. I'm thinking about that. You're a Michelin chef and... A restaurateur. I don't Restaurateur. To I'm my sorry. wife's oh, dismay. Yes. <laughs> to my wife's okay. dismay, I do not cook. Okay. So let me rephrase this because I thought you did, but that's fine. So my thought as I was trying to prepare for this interview and thinking about this industry in particular, I started to wonder, and I could be completely off base here. I'm really curious. I started to wonder if there's maybe two reasons in particular why restaurateurs struggle more with offboarding themselves, but also with delegation, because it's, I'm not a restaurateur. However, I could imagine, I've worked in kitchens, I've worked as a server. In the kitchen, everything needs to be perfect, and you need to rely on everybody doing their job exceptionally and on the team working together the sauce has to be hot when the fish is done it's just it's a magic to me how that flow and dance works right now that's how ideally how any company should work so while that should be the oh my goodness if i can make all of this flow happen in my kitchen then i'm already a magician i should be able to make this flow happen in my restaurant except that the kitchen is much more micromanaged and has to be in that sense than the business. So the question becomes, how can we translate that magic that we can do in the kitchen to the rest of the business? Is that a fair question to ask? It is. And I can tell you as a front of house guy, as an operational guy, there are a couple of hurdles there. So the first is that when something unfortunate happens, 
It happens in real time and it's in your face. It's never that we get an angry phone call. It's that there's an angry person standing <laughs> directly in front of us. And so, you know, I've been in B2B, I've been in B2C and B2C in a restaurant is a very personalized experience. And then I would also argue, and this was my biggest hurdle for many, many years, is acquiring support, whether that is a great general manager, an assistant general manager, a floor manager, a bar manager, a beverage director. These are perceived, at least in my own business, for years I saw them as expenses, not investments. And so when you're dealing with a low margin industry where every dollar counts, do you want to take money out of your own pocket or out of the coffers of the restaurant? to pay someone $60,000 a year, $75,000 a year, $100,000 a year, that in truth is going to fuck up your business royally <laughs> for months until they figure it out. And we are all, I think, at the highest level, and this is what's unfortunate, and this is the other big hurdle. At the highest level, I think we are amazing managers of people, and we are great leaders. But there really isn't an infrastructure or an apparatus that we can look to outside of the major chains, which shows us how to be great managers of managers. And so without that visibility, without that existing infrastructure, and without a model to really look to that works for an independent restaurant, it's really hard to do, which is why I was excited to have this conversation. Because when you talk about things like you talk about being mindful of mental load, which you're referring to directly there is overwhelm, which is a very real thing. And even though we tend to live in that state, we're not externally aware. We're not able to step out of that moment and be like, I'm overwhelmed. Why? What can I do to fix this? And something else, which is the next thing I want to talk to you about, is the accelerated decision-making process. Because this is something I think all independent businesses struggle with, but more so in the restaurant industry than any other. We are our own biggest hurdle and we are our own bottleneck. How do you accelerate the decision-making process? Short answer is by giving responsibility because then you are not making all of the decisions. Oftentimes when decision-making is slow, it's because we need to get too much input from too many people in order to make a choice. And the busier our restaurants get or the larger our companies get, the more people we need input from. Let me tell you, one of the best experiences I've had in a hotel, something went wrong and I asked somebody on the floor who was pushing the cleaning cart and I said, oh, this is wrong with my room, da, da, da. And that person right there, you know what they didn't do? They didn't say, oh, let me call my manager. Or why don't you go down to the front desk and talk to blah, 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 blah. No, they said, oh, ma'am, I am terribly sorry about that. And it actually didn't even have anything to do with the room. It was something completely different. Let me take care of that for you. And they made a commitment to me right there and then. Why? Because they were empowered through the culture of that hotel's culture. What did that do for me as a guest? It made me incredibly happy. If I had to take time out of my day to run down to reception and do all of this, guess what? It wouldn't have been an angry phone call. I would have been an angry customer. The quicker we could make a decision, the quicker we satisfy the customer. 
And we do that by giving responsibility for the whole thing, not just for a part of it, because that's the biggest thing that impedes fast decision making. That's a really interesting perspective, because this whole time I've been framing this around managers and managers exclusively, but you're advocating that every member of your team should hold responsibility for very specific, I guess, success metrics. Absolutely. One of the things that you speak to directly is having total clarity on your personal life vision. And when we talk about beginning with the end in mind, typically we talk in abstract or concrete terms of professional success. But I think we've all seen glaring examples of how professional success doesn't necessarily translate to personal success. And I thought it was so valuable that you didn't talk about professional success. You talked about having clarity on your personal life vision. Can you define what a personal life vision is and how to get clarity on it? I truly believe that as entrepreneurs, we are so incredibly well positioned to design and lead the life of our choice. But so many of us are burning out and not making time for what they want and waiting for joy and happiness to come later. And I really also believe it doesn't need to be that way. So I'm writing a book right now. And as part of the research for my book, I interviewed over 100 entrepreneurs with companies over a million dollars. And I asked a bunch of questions, but the two that stood out was one, do you feel fully in control of your life and business? And almost 96% said, yep, I'm the king of my castle. I'm the queen of my castle. I am in control. The next question I asked was, are you leading the life of your dreams? Are you truly happy? And less than 40% said yes to that question. That's crazy to me. Here we are with all the tools that we designed, we built this business because we had this vision and we wanted to have this beautiful dream life. And then we got sucked up feeding the monster and we still love our business, but we kind of forgot why we're doing this in the first place, right? And like you said, we're incredibly successful, but we're not happy. And so that was really my mission to close that gap and say, hey, you don't have to choose. You can have it all. And so one of my favorite quotes is from Alice in Wonderland. It's, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. And so my obsession with getting clear on where you want to go is the roadmap to avoiding having you serve your business instead of the other way around. Look, we all have business plans. And there's a difference if I want to grow my restaurant into one or two locations, or if I want to open a hundred location franchise across the country, the decisions we make will be different. What are we doing? We're following our vision. Do we want to have this or do we want to do this? Well, if I'm going to do a hundred restaurants, then I have to say no to this. If I only want one restaurant, I'm going to say no to the other thing. And in our lives, it's the same. And that's different for everybody. For some people, that looks like I want to be in a different country every month. For somebody else, I want to have a farm with an orchard, whatever that may be. But that should be the true north, not the hundred locations or the one location. We know how to do this as entrepreneurs, but we always just start with our business. Let's start with us first. I think it's great advice. Answering the question, 
How do you want to spend your days? Answering that question informs every other answer that you will give to every other question that you're presented with professionally. And it was a real aha moment for me. And I think you presented in a beautiful way. I do have two last questions for you. So the first is the podcast ends. The people listening are stoked, super excited. What is the first thing they should do to offboard themselves? They're going to get to work and they're like, all right, I'm ready to get started. First step is what? The very first step I would always say, and I start with all my clients, is get clear on what you want your life to look like. I use a little exercise called I'm a child and I'm free. And there's a magic fairy who asks me what I want to be and what I want my life to look like when I grow up. And a modification of that is think 10 years ahead. Because as entrepreneurs, we always think three to five years ahead, and then it involves our tactical brain, and we start thinking about the how, and then we negate the possibilities. Really pick something as big as you possibly can, and as far away as you possibly can, so that you can really get creative and not think about how you're going to get there. That's number one. Number two, look at the current reality on how your business serves you right now. We talked about that at the beginning, right? Is it serving that vision? Is it serving how I want to spend my days, both in the future and now? Then do the gap analysis. My business is here. Here's what I want. How do we now cross this bridge? And this is the beautiful intersection where we get really clear on what we want to offboard ourselves from. So that's where the offboarding comes in. It doesn't come first. First comes the vision, then comes the reality check and how my business is serving me, then the gap analysis, and then we can look at what do I want to offboard myself from? We look at what are my responsibilities, what do I love loathe, how much value do they bring to my business, and how much time do I spend on it? Then we choose just one area. Start with one. Remember, I said it took me a year to offboard myself mostly. And then throughout my career, I did it again and again and again. It's a continual process as your company grows, right? So look at that. Start with one thing. Communicate it to your team. Why am I doing this? And, and just as an aside, a lot of entrepreneurs I talk to feel like it's a luxury and they feel guilty for offboarding themselves when their team is working 12-hour days. And I believe that that is servant leadership at its best. If the entrepreneur does what's best for the business and empowers the team to do what's best for the business, now we don't need to feel guilty for offboarding. We're all just building a better company. If your company can't support what you want to do, you may need to look at it and take some baby steps. I'm ready to start today. <laughs> I'm sold. It's an industry <laughs> podcast, and at the end of every episode, I like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Do you have any advice or words of encouragement you'd like to offer? My advice to you would be don't be held by the shackles. Like Anybody can be empowered and make the right decisions quickly. Look at it and trust your team, because we all made mistakes as entrepreneurs. The restaurant fills down. So if your team can make small little mistakes as they learn to make quicker decisions, then everybody wins. That's Michelle Hecken. For more on Michelle, go to michellehecken.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, 
go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.